Hello, Henrietta. Hi, Jason. Welcome to the conversations with Jason Campbell and Henrietta Galina. We continue in quarantine from New York, not together, but <laughs> we're both in New York. Mm-hmm. And um, and we don't know when this whole thing's going to end, but we continue to to be in. Well, things are taking place <laughs> out there in the world for sure, and it is definitely providing us uh, subjects here to to discuss. For sure, and I think um, this week has been a bit of a funny one because it's. I think the pandemic and the lockdown and the disease, everything's been very much about COVID nineteen, and I feel like this week. We've seen other things percolating, whether it's an offshoot of the pandemic um, or whether it's just people really looking to what's happening afterwards. So people are launching new collections, launching books. There's a lot of kind of cultural news coming from outside of the pandemic, which I think it feels a little bit, I don't want to use the term normal, but it, it just feels less pandemic heavy. Does that well, make sense? To that point, I must say with one of my clients, I've started, I've started again this week. Like it was not so touchy to, to propose um, shopping. And I mean, this was, this was fueled. It happened to be my jewelry client and it was fueled by Mother's Day coming up this weekend. Yes. And so I think that energy really helped to, to discuss commerce again and so forth. So I felt a shift. And I also, the people are definitely over the confinement and they're getting super panic on the economics. And they just they just are shaking things up. Yes. But let's dive. We're not <laughs> let's dive into what we're talking about today. And this is one of those stories that has really percolated out there um, uh, during this COVID period. And that is Andre Leon Talley. Specifically, there's just been a lot that has been reported about his upcoming book called Chiffon Trenches. And the book was supposed to be, it was slated to be released in September and it's actually now coming out later this month. And I'm, at, I'm looking forward to reading that mm-hmm. book. And, and Andre Leontali has been discussed in this podcast before. And I think we're revisiting this with more information. And I think I've also mentioned this term. And the question is, for this episode, is Andre Leontali's life and career a cautionary tale? As it pertains to fashion, I think life, is a, is a bit uh, dramatic, but oh. <laughs> yes, it's his, <laughs> it's his whole life a reason to like not be. Um, I think it's it's definitely like it's his, shall we say, it's his journey in fashion or the space he's carved out in fashion. Is that a cautionary tale? And you've been saying this for years. And I'll be honest with you, I haven't quite fully grasped um, exactly what you have meant by that over the years. It's been increasingly obvious, but I never really sort of really got to the core of why you would use that terminology. And I think that since excerpts of his book has come out and more people are speaking out for and against him and just seeing how his just coverage of him and his book has been handled and obviously delving in a little deeper into his his story, I fully see it now. And... uh Andre Leontali came up in specifically our conversation about Black leaders in fashion. And maybe that's a good place for us to to revisit and start from in this conversation. Uh, 
I feel that Andre Leontali is an incredible, is an incredibly important figure. Um, he's figured into my life somehow, not directly, and I'll explain. But um, as a symbol in fashion of a successful, uh, a successful professional who walked the most storied corridors in fashion from the magazines, from Vogue magazine to WWD uh, and, and, and so on and so forth. He's really occupied a very prominent space. He is, he has held longstanding relationships with some of the most famous designers from Givenchy to tons of people in the last 40 years that has operated in fashion. He is arguably the most visible and some may say the most successful person in fashion. So when a story like this comes about where he essentially writes a memoirs speaking about there's a there's a lot that has to do with Anna Wintour and her role in his life and career and so forth and certainly as to how he feels now about um, what has happened to him. He feels exiled. He feels like he has been sort of like dropped on a street corner after contributing to this magazine for all of this time, after having a personal relationship with this architect of the fashion industries for all these years. He's felt that he was unceremoniously dismissed from the highest fashion ranks. And as our most significant Black player, our most visible Black uh, professional in the industry, it is very Telling. It says a lot about what can happen to and what has happened to maybe some of us who has come before, but what can happen to this generation, the generations to follow, and so forth. I think this is a really important time uh, to have this discussion surrounding Blacks in fashion. You know, we are now defining this new generation as the new Black vanguard. And I have to say, this young generation who is infiltrated in fashion right now, they're very gingerly stepping along. They're doing books. They're stylists. They, they have a certain visibility as well. But what I... What I don't see is that a sort of reverence or recognition of what came before them. And subsequently, I think that the way what has happened to Andre Talley could easily happen to this new generation that has defined themselves as a new Black vanguard. And there's so much more content in between, you know, Andre Leon's Talley career and where we are now that we'll hopefully get into as much as possible in this conversation. But that that's the scenario that I, I see. How can this happen to such an important man who has contributed so much, who seemed to have played the game so well by staying at such a high level for so long? And still yet, this man has been unceremoniously dismissed from the fashion ranks. I definitely think it's, um, it's interesting. I, when you say, is this something that could happen again? I think one of the things that is very specific to Andre Leontelli is exactly how he played the game. I think that largely from what I've seen and what he puts out there, a lot of how his career has manifested. Obviously, he's incredibly talented and smart and he's a great writer. He's very incredibly articulate. He's a great creative and visionary creative director. But I think the downside and why this is a cautionary tale is the politics and the, the lines he's had to walk in order to get to where he has gotten to. And, you know, it's always the hardest to be the first. And I think he definitely was one of the first. So I definitely attest to that and I'm mindful of that. 
But largely his career was very much about his relationships and the esteem in which he was held by these people and these relationships versus the work that he's doing, which I think is the difference between his career path and the new vanguard. I think the new black vanguard is very much about the work and the cult of personality, I feel, is quite secondary to that versus Andre Antelli, that was very much the cult of personality that was propped up by these powerful relationships, which then makes it subject to change when those dynamics change. And I think that is the cautionary tale of a very prominent and powerful Black professional who, rather than carving out a space that is really underwritten and based on work first and foremost, was very much about relationships. He's rubbing shoulders and really great friends with the Carl Lagerfelds and the Andy Warhols and Halston and Anna Winter. And it's, you know, the Raswells and feels very old guard. It's very like society is rubbing shoulders with, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Versus really using his power to advocate, to create works that speak to the larger culture of fashion that really speaks for itself, essentially, so that also when he does fall out with a Karl Lagerfeld or an Anna Winter, he can't be exiled. He can't be irrelevant because it's more than him. His work ladders up to more than the cult of his personality. So to me, that is definitely the cautionary tale of what does it take to be in these spaces? And I wonder if, I wonder how much of it was him playing up to this trope of fabulous darling oh yeah Mm, yes queen like that whole kind of ideal of who he was versus the substance behind who he was and what he was capable of doing for fashion for culture for publications and for the spaces in which he tried to occupy I really appreciate you drawing that distinction I don't know if it's 100% accurate but I, I I like how you're seeing that but and I, I, I like how you're seeing that because it then begs the question, Andrea Leontali was as a was a significant contributor, a significant writer, a critique, you know, at WWD, certainly a writer at Vogue and so forth. And, and as we know, he's incredibly bright, a font of knowledge, as he has said, that people liked being around him. Yes, he was fabulous, but also he came with the knowledge to download. So ultimately, he had that respect as well. He did. Why, he was incredibly smart but why did his work not stand the test of time because his work was governed by Anna Winter so a lot of his work like yes he talks about I put black models and you put Naomi Campbell and Tyra Banks these are personalities and models and figures who transcend race I don't see his work as really pushing the boundaries or being provocative given that he was the only one he didn't really use that mantle as an opportunity to really push an agenda, he basically worked for Vogue. And that is not, I don't mean that in a derogatory way, and I don't mean that to be dismissive of his work by any means. It's all really great, but he he very much worked within the confines of the systems that Vogue created. I don't feel like he took a position either way. Well, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I, yes, and I, that observation is key. And But, that but that's why lives. his work might be obsolete, because it was very much off the time. If you look at someone like a James Baldwin and not to compare them or say they should have been doing the same work, but his work speaks for itself. And it's very much about, yes, there's James Baldwin, the man, the personality, the figure, the icon. There's also the work that stands the test of time. If the Marlon Brandos and and the people that he rubbed shoulders with deemed him obsolete, 
his work still exists, his words still carry weight and power, particularly as it pertains to the challenges of race in America today. So it's very much like his work could have very much been a beacon and shone a light and paved a way and been very prominent today as we face these challenges of that intersection between race and fashion. But none of that is there. It's very beautiful and opulent and great, but it's not really attuned to the times of today anyway. So a lot of what you look at as being his hero pieces of work feel a little bit dated, especially in a pandemic, especially as people are suffering, especially as commerce feels very different, especially as luxury has been redefined. There are so many reasons why it feels very dated. And I feel like he could have maybe gone a different way. That's kind of my point. Well, you're saying that his uh, his work did not stand the test of time, that his work did not um, rise to the top. It and, did. And, and I'm, his... I'm talking more about the themes, to clarify. Fair, okay, fair enough. Well, I will also say along with that, that his failure to build community was also very impactful in, in where he ended up because many Black professionals, and including myself, including myself, I was I very much came up during the time with Andre and I was one of the other, the other Black person in the room. And this is a man that did not recognize me. This is a man that would have, you know, that looked through me, which I thought was always very strange. There's a reason why I would be in those powerful rooms along with him, though I may have been 30 years younger than him, whatever the case may be, he just didn't acknowledge me in that way. And that is said by a lot of um, a lot of fashion, and a that's lot of black exactly, professionals that uh, he was not there when they when they needed him. So he didn't build yes. he didn't build a community that he could now essentially call on. And to that end, I have to tell you, and I, I hope I'm not uh, speeding along too much. Um, in the, the the chatter about this book has just been so great, and the timing of it has also been around the the chatter uh, has been around the timing of the Met Ball that would have been this past Monday. And it's amazing how many Black people in fashion I see, like, literally cheerleading for the Met Ball. Meanwhile, Andre is bearing his soul about what he endured in his career, the huge emotional and psychological scar that Anna Wintour and and, and that era has left on him for not being capable of human kindness. And he has put all of that out there. And it's seemingly maybe a bit late because everyone, if they, you know, if you were to look at it as people choosing Sides, it seemed like everyone went the way of Anna Wintour and they were like, Met Ball, Met Ball, Met Ball. For, forget that this, you know, this godfather of our community is, is literally out there stating what terrible things has happened, you know, to him at this, you know, at the end of his career here. And no one seems to be paying attention. Uh, and all the more reason why I think it's so important to discuss for this cautionary tale titling that we've given it. But I, I agree with you, but I think that one of the things that I'm quite mindful of is where fault lies, because you said that one of his failures was to build community. And while that's incredibly true, that's exactly what I meant about uh, when I said that he was simply working within the structures of, of which a Condé Nast, a Vogue, and Anna Winter had set. Like he was working in those systems, which required you to appreciate that someone has given you a platform or a voice or a job or an opportunity. And it's that thing of, you know, I'm here. I'm the only one. I, you know, I don't know if he wasn't looking or acknowledging you and others because that's how he felt or the system in which he was trying to play to where he felt like that was how he had to get along to get along. And and that's why I'm saying it's it's very murky because you never really know someone's heart or someone's intentions. But for all intents and purposes, that is one of my defenses 
of Naomi Campbell that makes you so annoyed of the, isn't that the system in which she uh, came up in, where there is only room for one. So that's what I'm saying about playing those games. Like he wasn't trying to disrupt that system or dismantle that system. Like, no, no, let me foster a community. Let me get a little column or let me put a percentage of my work but can into I these issues. The question, if, can you afford to do that as a Black person in this industry or any other industry for that matter. And maybe, again, hindsight is twenty twenty, so I, I don't want to rewrite history that way, but I'm, I, that's a legitimate question for you. We've asked the question in, in this podcast, you know, can, can companies not stand for something in this time? Can Black people not stand for something through, throughout the breadth of their career? <laughs> yeah, but the timing has to be accounted for. Context matters here. So ultimately, when he was coming up in the, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, I mean, no, that would have been seen as largely problematic and, you know, don't bite the hand that feeds you. And I can only imagine what it would have been like to have worked with Anna Winter, who's very, was very one dimensional in the, in the 80s, 90s and early noughties, was, didn't recognise blackness at all. It's a surprise that she even had the affinity for Andre that she did. And I think that was definitely based on his smarts and his uh, fashion acumen and ability to understand and break down themes so nuanced and so smartly, etc. But I think the challenges around what it's like to work with these people and in these structures have been incredibly difficult, especially when you look at an industry like what fashion has been like. I mean, this is also something that hasn't been unique to Andre. There have been a few people who have spoken out from Ralph Rucci's to what's his name, Grayson, the former editor-in-chief of Vanity Fair, has also spoken of similar stories. Apparently, Grace Coddington's been treated the same way. She just knows better than to talk about it. So this is also something that isn't unique to Andre and isn't isn't exclusively a race issue because of the challenges around just Anna and her mentality and the way that Bogan has to set up. I don't know that you can separate a race. It's funny that you mentioned, you know, essentially that you mentioned James Baldwin before, who was a wonderful example in the spaces that he moved in. You know, James Baldwin, essentially a, a civil rights activist as well, but he assimilated and had a white cognoscenti and moved in those spaces and in those circles. But his voice surrounding the civil rights movement was never lost. It was always prominent. And he recognized, I mean, I wish I could conjure up some of the quotes right now, but he recognized essentially that he is always a Black man, whether it's on the streets of Harlem or in saint paul de Vence, mm-hmm. where he spent some time in France during that time. That is yeah. the thing. And again, I don't want to rewrite history, but I think Andre's story looms so great. It looms so great because it's almost as though you really look at the pandering and you look at all that display that ultimately may have undercut his value and his legacy in this business. It's like for all the smarts and for all the intelligence, for all the contribution that he's brought, he brought to the industry, brought to the pages of Vogue and so on and so forth, he's been sort of like dismissed as almost like a buffoon. That's kind of what I was saying about, you know, to draw parallels between Andre Leontelli and, and James Baldwin might have been a bit of a false economy. I was kind of trying to make a bit of a different point, but to the point of James it's a good point. to the point of James Baldwin, Marlon Brandos and you know, those types of figures, he really bought into the civil rights movement and used it as an opportunity to inform his white allies. And I don't yes. we don't I don't I don't know if Andre did or didn't do that. I know what has been talked about and what hasn't been talked about, which is that people are not touching this with a barge pole. In fact, most of the press that I've seen about this is either very kind of gossipy page six type vibes or British publications like the Daily Mail. 
to things like that. It seems right. like um, the 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 fear of Anna Winter is real, and very few allies have spoken up. But I mean, look, fashion is very um, incestuous. A lot of people are like sheep, so I wasn't really expecting them there to be a large fallout from this. I expected it to be largely overlooked and. Anna sent her comments, which is she wishes Andre nothing but the best. It's all very cordial and polite. And I think he's going to keep it cute. And he said what he said in the book. And I don't think he's necessarily going to elaborate much on anything. I think it is interesting to talk about the question, which is, is this a cautionary tale? Yes, in some respects, because I think it it definitely shines a light on what to do with any power, perceived power, recognition, platforms as a person of colour in this industry. But I do have a lot more faith that people are navigating this space much differently because, you know, you see the Tyler Mitchells and the Gabriella Carifa Johnsons and the Rowan McKenzies and the Elaine Welteroffs and the Lindsay Peoples-Wagners and the real kind of um, movers and shakers of colour are not pandering to this, well, I know I, I, Anna, I, and I I've been anointed by so and so. No, well, I mean that there might be a, um, uh, an element of that, of course, because fashion is still fashion, and those things still matter. But largely, I feel like they're also creating worlds and spaces and works that speak to a larger agenda that isn't just about themselves and their relationships, and actually speak to something that is culturally relevant for today that will stand the test of time that will still have the opportunity to talk about the work in the future even if they're standing with the oh you're, hierarchical you're incredibly system generous falls out. You're, you're, really you're you don't see that you're incredibly generous and that's that's one of the reasons why i really want to speak about this because i see those players going down a very similar way especially really? with the performance especially with the performance that they are doing on the instagram it's amazing how like these wonderful minds and these sort of faux activists they just <laughs> they're supposed to be like the voice of a generation and then all of a sudden they're they're backstage um uh, lauding a uh, prada and 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 flying around in every gucci accessory that there is and that Gucci cannot do or no wrong and speaking as them as like cultural architects of diversity and things of that kind. No, 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 no. That's the reason why we need to have this conversation because these kids are going along giddily as though an Andre Leon tally did not happen. And you know what? Their their activism is like, it's, it's maybe loud and visible, but I don't know how credible it is. You know, Andre said that he was... Andre said that he worked quietly behind the scenes, that he wasn't the screaming and yelling kind of sort because at the end of the day, that's the circle he moved in and that it's Vogue darling. Um, that's also, <laughs> that's a part of the cautionary tale. He didn't, he wasn't visible enough. He wasn't loud enough with the messaging that, with the messages that he wanted to get out there to where to take the statement as back, but he wasn't loud enough and therefore it almost didn't matter. And then these, and then this generation, the one that this caution is attributed to or should be, you know, we're, we're trying to tell them to be cautious. They are not looking, they're, they're speaking openly, but they're not staying on message and they don't actually know the full story. Their history is, is short and they don't know the full story and they're not operating in a legitimate way, I think, for the preservation and the, for the preservation of a community. Never mind the creation, before we get to preservation, the creation of a community. I don't think so. I, differ, I disagree with you. The creation of the community, I think, is one thing. I think I, I largely disagree because I think that Andre Leontelli was very much put up or shut up kind of 
vibe. And I think that so many prominent Black figures are vocal about the bullshit. I think both can be true where you... I think Edward said this in our last episode where he was like, but we have to acknowledge the structures and systems that we're we're in, right? I mean, it, it is what it is and it isn't what it isn't. And I think that both can be true. Like ultimately, prominent Black figures in fashion, for the most part, are working within the structures that weren't actually built for them. They're trying to change it in their own way to be restructured in a way that it is for them and their community. So they're both speaking out, but also adhering, but also working within the system. That's kind of what fashion is. Fashion is a system. So you can't be counter everything. You can't be like, fuck the Met Ball, fuck Vogue, fuck Anna Winter, fuck everything, fuck Prada, fuck Gucci. Like that's counterproductive, but that also isn't how it works. There are still very much things like getting a paycheck and advertising and so many systems which are are conducive to moving forward in this industry. But you could also say, these things are bullshit. People are talking about being the only one. They are talking about a lack of diversity. Andre didn't speak about anything. Even when his article came out in 94, I believe it is, Hilton Olds op-ed about, uh, in the New Yorker about being the only one, he was still silent about that. It took for someone else to write his story about being the only one. That wouldn't happen today because I think people are really speaking up about that. So I do think that things are different, but also there are some things that remain the same. So I don't think you can indict an entire community of people of colour in fashion for upholding these structures because I don't think that that's largely what they're doing. Well, I I hear statements like these loud and clear because I've been working in this business for 25 years and uh, and I have my own experiences. Uh, Ralph Rucci stating, there has been so much personal evil and destruction and now perhaps others will feel safe to speak. And he's speaking about essentially Anna Wintour's regime and the evilness that has really taken place under that regime. That speaks volumes to me and, and truth, to be perfectly honest. And I think this Andre conversation is wrapped very much up in that. That kind of evilness in fashion, when you see evil, you expose evil. And so, again, I don't, I don't, I don't want to rewrite history, but if not enough was done along the way, now at this stage of the game, when you when you are you know on the other side of the of the of the situation, I don't know if this is the time that you can really um, uh, get empathy. I don't know if this is the time where people are really gonna lean in and be like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna extend um, you know my my sympathy to you, and I'm gonna understand your plight and so on. But I don't know. I think it's a little bit too late. I think it's a bit too late. For Andre, yes, I. But I don't necessarily know that's what is happening right now. I think he's definitely trying to, and I I don't mean this in a shady way at all. Um, My laugh would suggest otherwise, but I genuinely, I, I don't mean this in a shady way. But I think he's trying to tell his story because I think that largely he looks back on a very storied and incredibly long career. And people really think that it was one thing and people have uh, an ideal of what it was. And a lot of people wonder where he went. Did he retire? Did he get sick? Was it, Did he just fall away? Did he just lose an interest and appetite for the industry? And I think that this was an opportunity for him to actually course correct and say, this is what I experienced. This is what happened. And actually, this is what I've had to endure for the pittance that I actually got. And this is why I am where I am. This is why you kids aren't seeing me. And this is what it is and what it isn't. And 
Thank you. I don't necessarily know that it's a rallying cry for change or movement or a referendum on Anna Winter and Vogue. I don't think it's any of that stuff. I think he basically is like, I don't want you all to be disillusioned by what you think is the most fabulous career. I want you to know what I've had to really come up against. And because he's been relatively apolitical his entire career, I think that he's very much like, no, no, I was silent, but it happened to me too. I think there's a lot of reconciling. I think it was a reconciliation rather than a um, rallying cry for anything particular. Um, well, what I do agree with you on is that he has claimed his story and he's telling his story. I think that's hugely important. His story should not be told by anyone else but but himself. So that's that's very important. And yes, that that I do think is going on. But I also have to tell you, I find it very telling, too, that we have not heard Edward Inningful's voice in this discussion quite yet. You know, Edward is now the most powerful Black man in fashion, Black person in fashion, and he he essentially is in the place that that Andre Leontali was before him, and he actually has I mean, he's definitely not in the same place. Like, Edward made it. Edward became, was at the helm. That's what I'm saying. It's like, Andre Leontelli was never groomed to take the helm of anything. No, I'm not. No, no, no. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not just, I'm not talking about titles here. I'm not talking about editor in chief ship. I'm talking about the most prominent. I mean, if you challenge me on that, then it's fine. The most prominent black person oh, in fashion okay. right now is arguably, okay. is arguably Edward Enningfold. I'm not, we're not comparing exactly, but in more visible, more, most yes. powerful. Yeah, but fine. again, Edward and do, and he signals he um, he signals the next generation. Do we we haven't heard him weigh in on this at all? And actually, that's a very important thing to connect the dots as well. So hearing from someone like Edward speaking about this elder statesman, this godfather of this business, that there you know they, they, let's call him in his likeness. That would be a very powerful thing. But you know, Edward is also at Condé Nast and seem in in that machine. The cautionary tale also can extend to that. Do we, do, you know, do a whole other generation just continue to stay silent and only choose the more, uh, the easier diversity issues and they don't really rock, rock the boat, if not tip the boat? Like, it begs that question. I, I don't mean to put Edward, you know, so much on the hot seat, but I would really love to know in a transparent way what he feels about the trajectory of Andre Leontali. I think you're right. Andre was the most prominent and influential or uh, for all intents and yeah. purposes, or the illusion of influence. Just like Edward is now, difference between the Edward Enenfalls and the Lindsay People's Wagners is that they're helming something that is their vehicle to change in a way that Andre was always governed by Vogue and Anna Winter. He was always, he always had, you know, not to say that Edward and, and Lindsay Peoples Wagner don't have bosses and that they don't ultimately report into Anna Winter, but Andre never drove anything. That's what I'm saying. Like he was always under the thumb in a way that I'm just surprised that he didn't, not that he didn't strive for more, he did, but I'm surprised the buck stops there, I guess is what it, it, I'm saying. It was it was always very these like very vague titles. And then it was like, he was doing a podcast, then he wasn't doing a podcast for Vogue. And then he was doing red carpet, red carpet. on the Met. Then it, he wasn't doing the red carpet on the Met. And then he wrote an op-ed for the Beyonce cover and it didn't get published. Like there was always an element of just a lack of power. Like 
a lack of power or a lack of respect? Both. His position was very much linked to people. That's what I'm saying. It's like it was always linked to his relationships, his relationships with aristocracy, his relationships with designers, artists, powerful people. He was never him in a way that I think, and that's kind of what I'm talking about. It was always like Andre Liantelli in conjunction with, um, I think it might be different for people of colour who really looked up to him because he was Andre Liantelli. We We looked at his work, we looked at his career, but that is a very specific vantage point. I think generally it was always, look at Andre even when you Google image him, Andre Leontelli next to Anna Winter. Andre Leontelli seated next to Andy Warhol. Andre Leontelli having dinner with Holsden or Lee Raswell or Saint Laurent. And I think that even when he is talked about in his own vein or photographed in his own vein, he's always talking about someone. It's always like, you know, that Nancy Reagan or whatever old lady, you know, it's very much like, him in conjunction, like he's never stood in his own power. And I think that to me is the one thing that that kind of rolls me up because I'm just like, Andre Leontelli was amazing, is amazing. He, I don't know why I'm speaking about him in past tense. He's amazing. He's so smart and he's so astute and like he just gets culture. Like he's just, he has a lot to say and I wonder why we just haven't heard a lot of it. And, you know, he's just been so governed by other people that it's frustrating. But, you know, I'm interested to read his book, but I definitely think, is it a cautionary tale? Yes, we should all be aware of it. But I just, I think that the way things are happening, people are so much more savvy on a really basic level. People have their own social platforms and and they're creating their own vehicles or are helming more legacy vehicles. So I think that cautionary tale is definitely, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that people are about to fall into the same tropes or challenges that Andre has. I'm, I'm more optimistic on, on that for sure. Um, okay, fair, fair enough. And for the audience, we we invited Andre to come onto the podcast. Um, we had not gotten a response up to this point, and we but we do hope, we do absolutely hope to have him on the podcast in the future because I would love to ask him some of these questions that I dare say are not being asked out there. There, some of these questions are just not, and some of these issues are just not being discussed. And I want to hear from him. Yes, so I, I definitely hope that we can revisit this conversation because I think Andre's, his, he's very symbolic, probably more so um, to me than to you, Henrietta. But I find, and I find the timing also to be very symbolic. It was almost a changing of the guard uh, sort of scenario that's going on. And I don't want this moment to be squandered specifically by Black uh, people in this business. I want them to recognize what is happening now. And that's where my right. talk of cautionary tale. And I would love to speak to him too, because I think that there's, you know, only so much you could put in a book and there's so much that goes unsaid and so much that's assumed. And I think to have him speak to a number of things would be so telling and interesting. Um, and on a really basic level, I don't know who's really going to pick this up for fear of rebuke or... And that's so sad to me. That's so sad to me that someone, you know, someone like Andre, who has written his warts and all book and decides to put it out there, I would, I, it doesn't feel mean-spirited. It just feels <laughs> like he's expressing what he experienced. And why that would be why you would be blackballed for giving that any coverage, I find that to be 
part of the problem in this industry that a woman can intimidate a whole community like that from giving from giving yeah but uh, we all know as people of color we all know as people of color in this industry if you state facts you're still angry or speaking out of turn or calling out you can't say anything that is less than complimentary we've all experienced just by simply stating things like there are very few black people that work at this company or that work in fashion you're the problem we all know what that's about, Jason, and that's exactly what is happening here. Yeah. If you tell your truth, if it's anything less than glowing, you are just deemed as negative, angry, aggressive, problematic. And that is no different here. And uh, I think that's also why I'd be interested to speak to Andre, because his account of how things have worked matters. And I think is, is there's a lot that a lot of people of colour in this industry can identify with. So I'd be interested to, to get into I that. I agree. I agree. Well, Henrietta, we will catch you the next time. Bye-bye. Thank you.